Participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard. Hello and welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This podcast is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts, be they for their organizations, like corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. If you're one of the people that work to build grassroots advocacy and grow your community of advocates, then you are in the right place. Now, let's get started. In today's episode, we speak with Kristen St. John, Deputy Director of the National Association of Community Health Centers, better known as NAC. She is responsible for the planning, implementation, and coordination of trainings and communication tools to expand NAC's grassroots advocacy network and increase the impact of health center advocacy. Kristen brings more than 15 years of experience engaging and mobilizing advocates around healthcare issues. Most recently, she was the engagement counselor for the All of Us Initiative at the National Institutes of Health. Prior to that, she focused on both grassroots advocacy, focused on grassroots advocacy for both the Arthritis Foundation and the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Kristen, thank you and welcome to today's show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm still, you know, I'm excited. I was, I was very uh, surprised when you reached out to talk. So I'm really excited about being here. Well, I, I told you before we started uh, the actual recording for the podcast today that you're, you're my hero as I've been diving <laughs> into everything that you're doing at NAC and how you're doing it. Um, I think you're a great example of a lot of advocacy in action. So let's let's kind of dive right into this now. Tell us about the role that the National Association of Community Health Centers, what what is the role of the organization? So basically, um, just like with any major association, we're kind of, I don't want to use the word umbrella, but that's like, unfortunately, the best description to use. Um, We're almost like an umbrella that works with all uh, FQHCs, that's uh, federally qualified, um, health centers, as well as uh, also community health centers um, in the uh, United States and territories. Um, we do just a ton of stuff. I, I, I have to say, and this is not um, in a way to suck up to, <laughs> to my coworkers, but um, it's amazing the, uh, the depth of um, just experience and intelligence that are 
and and uh, creativity that's here at NAC um, that that um, basically folks who work with the uh, national um, with community health centers. It could be anything from our federal and state affairs people, our our research folks, as well as folks that are um, in the departments, the the training and technical um, part of the uh, of the association and stuff like that. So it's it, it's kind of we kind of cover everything to help out uh, uh, community health centers as well as primary care associations um, just in the United States. And so it's it's. It is uh, definitely um, when I got this position in the national uh, in the grassroots advocacy um, team, it was I was really excited just because of just the amount of people that we were helping. Oh, that's excellent. So on your website, you host the Health Center Advocacy Network. And it, and it's, it says that you have 175,000 advocates. So what, what tools do you provide these advocates to make them even more effective and more influential? Um, well, I believe, and I also want to say my team is um, is amazing, or the, the the folks that I work with here with the grassroots team is amazing. Um, the We pretty much are flexible enough to provide whatever tools people need, but we try to do, we have uh, toolkits for different issues, like right now, um, obviously, you know, um, you have the COVID-19, so we we do have a, you know, a toolkit with that, especially um, that was even from last year when it just kind of was like a hurricane that came through, um, like our neighborhood <laughs> or tornado of trying to deal with that and provide that. We have toolkits um, about uh, 340B issues, um, we have um, toolkits, I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, we have uh, toolkits with telehealth, you know, um, and stuff like that. So it's basically what we try to do is provide um, pretty much everything, talking points, um, sample letters to the editors, op-ed, we provide, you know, we work with, you know, our research team to give people uh, really cool graphics that have statistics because you know you always say especially on social media you know people look at people like pictures and videos of kittens and dogs so it's like everyone's very everyone's um, everyone likes to see stuff so you know with with a lot of this we try to do infographics that folks can kind of digest um, and, um, you know, and basically also give them the, you know, just the, I don't want to use the word instructions or directions, but giving, giving them tips on, you know, you know, making sure you tag your member of Congress or an elected official in your area when you post something so they see it or, you know, make sure if there's an article um, from your local newspaper that um, is the article is awesome and talks about the, just the great things that your uh, health center is doing or what you're dealing with. Um, making sure to, you know, retweet it or, you know, and tag the, you know, tag the reporter, tag, you know, make sure that the the newspaper, okay. the media outlet sees that article. So, or How to that. Give it legs. Yeah. Hmm? How to give it legs. Yes. Yeah. So, thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, just, you know, so we try to do that and also just to provide 
you know, we, we have, um, you know, we, we have like a, like a sample calendar just to kind of give people a heads up for like the year of, you know, different things that are coming up so they can do planning. Like, you know, so everyone knows that National Health Center week is coming up in August. So, you know, putting that on the calendar as well as, you know, um, election days. So they know, you know, when to kind of sort of stop engaging with, with officials that are up for elections. So it doesn't, so they don't get in trouble and, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, we try to provide as much as possible. Do you ever instruct your advocates to invite members of Congress, you know, the elected officials to the community center to see the work that they're doing? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yes. That is, that, that is a huge push. Um, uh, what was really interesting was last year with COVID, we thought we were going to for a hot second, we actually debated about canceling National Health Center Week. And then um, we took the theme that was originally picked for last year and kind of pushed it aside, did, you know, came up with a completely new theme, um, you know, basically the, uh, you know, community health centers are like, are the light, they light the way to a, a healthier community. And um, they, uh, you know, so we were trying to figure out ways to do it virtually. And, you know, I will say this, I mean, health centers, gosh, they amaze me with uh, just different ways that they can be so creative and, you know, and really figure out ways that they could have elected officials from local to federal visit, you know, whether it be a FaceTime or doing a video and posting it or, having, you know, meetings in that way as well. So, you know, it was that is definitely a push. Um, so just to make sure, because a lot of people, I mean, I'll be honest, I did not know or what I, I was not, and I'm still not an expert of community health centers, but I didn't really know all the depth of community health centers, um, even when I first got this job. So, you know, and I, I work in it, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, even though because everyone says you look at one community health center, you you just see one community health center. Yeah. Every community health center is completely different. Yeah. And, you know, people have different um, experiences and may not know that this this one particular place, because it does not have community health centers on the, you know, as their in their name is a community health center. So it's, you know, pushing people and encouraging people to you know, basically advocate for their health center, which is really well, talking about it. And, and, and plus, you've got to have a constant educational push to alleviate the biases and the prejudices that may exist without their knowledge of really knowing uh, what, what all transpires there. Now, I know that you hold a couple of national days of action throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, are the tactics that you're talking about and you've just talked about, is that really the purpose of the days is to try to focus in on a given days and ask these uh, these community health centers and their staffing to, to speak out and the patients that use them? Yes, actually, these, these started um, last year. Uh, we did have, so the year before, I always say like 2020 doesn't exist in my mind. I was like, yeah, last year, 2019. But um, in 2019, we were trying to figure out a way to encourage our uh, the this community health centers to actually 
also focus on visiting their member of Congress in their district office. So we did something like that. We did a day that that was a huge push to, you know, to make sure. And I got that from a previous job when I was at PanCan. Um, we, we really encouraged the volunteers because they, you know, to make sure to visit the district offices regularly, like three or four times a year. And that's like minimum, you know, to become because that's your connection to D.C. is that office in your neighborhood. So we tried, we started with that and then um, we're like, oh, you know, it was pretty good. People were kind of like, you know, not too sure about it, but they did it. And then we were, you know, getting ready to plan something for, you know, in 2020 and then COVID. And so, um, as you probably know, and everybody here, you know, everyone who's listening, um, it was insane the first, I would say, six or seven months just the amount of emails that were going back and forth, like even just work-wise um, because everybody was home. And um, it, so what we were trying to do, and this was kind of in a response to talking to health centers as well as primary care associations is trying to figure out instead of constantly hitting them because we, we were in, you know, it was really scary. There were some health centers that were on the verge of shutting down. There was, you know, our, you know, us getting um, funding, our federal funding was, you know, kind of that still hadn't been properly secured. So it was kind of crazy. So what we did then is is basically always have the the option to send a message to your elected official um, on and open and updated on our website, but one day a month and we, we kind of, and we scheduled it, we were going to focus on something specific. And so that people knew, okay, second Tuesday of every month, I need to sit down and write, you know, a letter to our member of Congress. And we have a, a specific target of what we want to achieve in that given month. So yes. your grassroots team, uh, and I love the fact that you're sharing that it's the team, the teamwork that, that goes on there. Uh, you produce a weekly Washington update. Uh, it's a podcast, which is very informative. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity to listen to a couple of them. What type of content do you provide in that update? And, and, and then where do you push it out? I mean, how do you push it out? Sure. Yeah. It's, it, and that was another COVID response. <laughs> we, because it was one of those situations where we would be getting emails or phone calls from the field, like, well, where's this? Where's that? And be like, we kind of mentioned it in the Washington update, which is a weekly new e-newsletter that we do. So like Tuesday evenings, we kind of push out to everybody on our, on our listserv. Um, just basic updates from our uh, PPR divisions, public policy and research division. Um, so we we receive updates from our state, federal, and uh, you know research. All that's all those folks kind of, and then any we share any news um, that you know just as examples um, of stuff that's going on and how health centers are are responding to it or how health centers you know manage to get a big you know, uh, a big article on a website and stuff like that. So, you know, we try to provide that and then also give a heads up to any trainings that are coming up that are um, public policy and advocacy focused. 
you know, and of course, if there's, you know, something that would interest them that that may not be, we still, we work with other departments, they send stuff, you know, every once in a while, I was like, hey, if this can, can you throw, you know, can you put this in? You're so, from, yeah, so from there, um, my um, a former colleague from our comms department in, in NAC um, said, well, kind of let's meet these, let's meet our, the advocates halfway. Have you, have you guys thought about just doing a 10,000 foot look, 10,000 feet, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a, like a wider look at what's in the Washington update, but, um, you know, in audio form. So we were like, as long as we don't have to record, like videotape it, we're good. So um, it was really cool because at that point, all of us were, no, we had just started it. We were just about to start it when we all shut down. So we used Teams. And at first it was, you know, um, my coworker, Susan, Shamal, Marie, and I were doing it. And then Susan, Susan's my, uh, my director, she kind of stepped back. And it, then it was um, Shamal and Marie and, and I doing it. So every week, like Tuesday night, it goes out Wednesday morning, we get a, um, we get a script um, and, you know, we record it after our, you know, after our team check-in and um, Marie, bless her heart, she learned how to edit it. And, you know, once, once it's edited, you know, we do the bit.ly link and then um, she sends it to me and then I go ahead and put it on uh, LinkedIn um, and our, the HC advocacy, um, there are HC advocacy um, handles on Facebook and, and Twitter. And then I usually throw it on my personal stuff so people can have a good laugh. So in there, you talked about providing uh, some, maybe some education updates or, or some trainings in it. So mm -hmm. uh, other than through that, that forum, how do you educate uh, your advocates? And, and are you still in a position where you want to grow the number of advocates that you have? Um, what we try, what we try to do is we, we have the advocacy learning program is one aspect, um, and we have cohorts of that. So what we try to do is, is twice a year, um, uh, and it's usually tagged on to our, two of our big conferences, um, CHI, which is a community health Institute that's in August and PNI, which is our policy and initiatives. And that's here in DC. Well, usually here in DC. So what we do is, you know, no more than 30 people can sign up and um, we have an extensive half a day of training. And then we do once a month, we have traditionally once a month, we would have like a new webinar that'd be posted for them, to, you know, to participate in. Um, what we did this year, we had to cancel it last year just because of the craziness. So um, this year, what we did um, is we actually had it, um, even though you would sign up for it through PNI or through the, you know, through the big conferences, it's separated. And what we did is because of also equity to make sure that everybody can, you know, who's interested, um, not necessarily people who would just be going to these particular conferences. Um, we did it completely virtual um, and then recorded it. And so we actually have, I don't know if you've ever heard of Noddle Pod. Um, it's Noddle Pod. Noddle Pod is kind of, 
it's it's like LinkedIn, Facebook, but for something very specific. So like we we have it. Um, our um, our training department actually has it so that you have all these different little sections of it. So we actually have our own page on it and which we list, we post all the information. And then I've been doing personally, I've been doing um, monthly, I've just started doing it monthly office hours. So I have, I have something today. So we have an hour, I will be on the zoom, you guys come and talk and we can answer questions, talk amongst yourself. And then um, we also, you know, a part of ALP too, is that um, for you to be an ACE, we have a um, advocacy center of excellence. And that's, um, uh, we have a, a bronze, silver and gold level for the, uh, the, the health centers and being um, participating in ALP is one of the um, one of the requirements. So and the ACE thing is basically to help um, encourage advocacy as a um, as as something that's in your whole health center that it's not just the C-suite. It's, it's basically, you know, anybody can, you know, can participate and anybody can, you know, send messages to their, to their elected officials and become an advocate. So as well, and as well as patients, you know, and, and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's, it's really kind of cool how some of the ideas that the folks who are involved with ACEs, how they get people geared up and ready and, and educated. And then, you know, anything that they need, um, if we can produce it, we get it to them. And because I always say ask, because if you're thinking about this, there's probably at least 10 other people who are. Right. I agree. So what are the, uh, if you had to narrow it down, and it's always difficult, but let's try to narrow this down. Mm -hmm. What are the two most critical initiatives for the organization over the next 12 months? And when I say initiatives, I that that could be what are your two largest priorities with Congress? It could be even more general than that. Oh wow! Oh, I stumped her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking because I, I mean, just being on. I mean, obviously, you know. Uh, oh yikes! Um, Well, let me rephrase it then. Let, okay. Let's let's yeah. let's take a look. Let's take a look at this for a second. Okay. The president recently addressed a joint session of Congress. Yes. And he had a long list of legislative proposals. Mm-hmm. Has your team and the organization had time to figure out if any of those uh, proposals will have an impact on NAC on uh, on the health centers, and and if so. Uh, what do you plan on do, doing with that, or or you're not quite ready there yet? I think people are still digesting, and you know, I've I've you know, in meetings, may it be our divisional meetings or our full NAC meetings, um, there's just a lot going on. I think right now the main thing is to, um, I mean, we have we did receive the federal funding for the next couple of years. So that is good. Um, and it's not, you know, as we were saying to folks that, yes, we should celebrate this win, but at the same time, we need to, I think, I think there needs to be almost a, and this is me personally in my 
just thinking of, of stuff that's coming up is to continue with the education campaign where it's not just education ab like it's it's not us educating people how to advocate is more of us educating as to this is what health centers are because you you know i mean the amount of and i and i'm just so happy with the um with how folks are recognizing you know just the role that health centers are playing um, in their community and have been for, I mean, we're going on 50 plus years now. Um, but especially once the, um, once the vaccines started, how, you know, everybody was kind of leaning on and loving on health centers just because they're, they, they're small enough to actually move and, and, and actually figure out ways to, reach out to their communities on a, on a quick basis and what's needed immediately. I mean, that's what health centers are for. That's why health centers are there. Um, you know, uh, so I, I just think right now it's, it's more of kind of letting people know that, Hey, you came here for this, for this vaccine. Oh, you've never been here. This is what we have to offer. And this is why health centers are, are so important um, just to the, not only to the community on a, on a healthy, you know, on a, on that type of basis, working on a healthy community, but in the fact that they're economic engines for the community as well. I mean, the amount of money that goes into health centers, even like federal funding or not, it comes out, you know, even more because of the money that, that, not only with them buying supplies and and and, and stuff like that. The jobs. Yeah, the jobs, but you also have doctors, nurses, you know, frontline people who are going to eat out or go and do this and do that in the community. Right. So, yeah. So I, I just think that's for me personally, because um, I always get around with my friends. It's all about me. Uh, <laughs> Is just you know making sure that you know folks understand the community, the community health centers place in in the world in their community, and 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 that's you know trying to kind of sometimes you have to start at square one. So as you as you talk about their place in the community, mm -hmm. uh, it reminds me of the fact that oftentimes the layman believes that advocacy is just literally government effect. That it is just with elected officials, but you've got a number of other stakeholders, and you you've alluded to it at different parts of today's uh, conversation, where you've talked about media, uh, and so you've got the public that need to be uh, educated that are stakeholders in this, the patients that are stakeholders in it, the media that is stakeholders in it, local governments, local regulators, uh, state, federal levels. I mean, you've got multiple multiple layers of that. And so let me turn this into a different direction now, because you've got all of that in front of you. Listen to you, what is the most challenging part of your job? Uh, being mature. No, <laughs> sorry. Well, we're all in that boat. Uh, <laughs> um, I think the one of the most challenging parts for me is to uh is is explaining that advocacy isn't just going on capitol hill and advocacy 
isn't just asking for something. Um, advocacy is sharing. You know, um, advocacy is is educating, and from there, that's where you get your support. And and I and I often say when I when I speak to groups that that advocacy is a positive word. Mm-hmm. When you actually look at the definition of it, it's mm-hmm. leading in favor of. It's yep. supporting something else. So it's not being the negative don't. It's mm-hmm. the please understand and do kind mm-hmm. of aspect of what advocacy is. And, and to touch upon what the different stakeholder groups is, I have what I call the seven action or the, the seven branches of the advocacy tree. Mm-hmm. Now, government affairs is just one of those. But you've got media. Yep. You've, you've, you have got uh, industry. You've got public service. You've got people. You you know, there, there's all kinds of aspects within the, that list of seven that help broaden and kind of fill out the whole advocacy tree. And, and most people don't understand that. But I'm going to close with, uh, with a question that's going to gear us back towards government affairs a little bit. Okay. <laughs> well, now, I'm going to do, I'm going to do two things. Uh, what do you think when you hear the word advocacy? I think when I, I when I hear the word advocacy, I hear um, intention and emotion. Those are the two things I think about when I hear advocacy. That's excellent. Nobody has ever answered it in the same way that you just did there. That's <laughs> that's pretty that that's pretty awe inspiring and eye opening. Uh, so now let's take a, a spin towards the government affairs side of things for just one time. In your opinion, and, and this, this will all be personal here, how can organizations and their advocates get anything done, move any legislation when we are viewed as a polarized and divided country and Congress? I, I think we have to be vulnerable. I can't even say that word right, but <laughs> I think, I think, I mean, here's the thing. Every, every person that walks this earth has a story and that story that they have, whether they think so or not, has an emotional aspect to it, you know, um, and that one, even if it's just one person will connect to so I think when you, it, you know, this is this is a conversation we've been having with, um, sorry to take a quick left turn. Um, so our boards for, for community health centers, half the board has to be a patient. So, um, and that was very intentional when community health centers were fixed up. And, you know, when, you know, we're right now, we're focusing on working with the, with the patient boards to reaching out to these people, because there is a, there is a story there as to you're a patient at this community health center and you're on their board. There's a reason why that you, that, that you have that connection with the health center. And I think, you know, just thinking of that in general, I mean, you know, is to, you know, I've, I'm not an emotional person at all, or at least in public, but there have been times where I, you know, when I was at the Children's Hospitals Association or when I was with PanCan or even when I was with the Arthritis Foundation, when I was working with 
with patients, with people that were affected by whatever, where I've had to walk away um, because I'm just like, I'm going to cry. Because when you hear their story as to, you know, this person, you know, you know, when you talk to parents of children with multiple serious medical issues that are coming to ask, you know, basically ask Congress for help with, you know, with um, Medicaid for kids or CHIP and stuff like that. And why that because of this particular program, my child is breathing right now. And, you know, and thank, you know, thank God for this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when you hear that, it, it gets to you. And that's what we always tell people. The stats really, I mean, the stats are great. Focus on why this is important to you. And I, I can only think of maybe two or three Hill staff that I've been in a meeting where I'm like, are you human? <laughs> because I'm choking up and you're just looking dead on. But I think the it's the personal story. I mean, it is it is 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 putting your personal story out there and knowing and believing that people are going to um, uh, that they will protect you back, that you're not going to get you know, caught out there or, or, you know, um, that, that you're, that you're able to share this as to why, and people will respect that and protect that story and hopefully use it as a reason to, um, to actually move the needle and, and respond to the situation. Well, personal stories have a huge impact and they have the ability to cut through all of the noise. So any final thoughts you'd like to add? Um, if I'm, <laughs> I'm, ass- I'm assuming I'm speaking to my, to my fellow grassroots advocacy people or grassroots public policy people is just, um, you know, first of all, hey, we made it through a crazy year, an unprecedented year. Um, there, there were silver linings, few and far between, and just keep, keep up the good, the good fight, you know? I mean, you know, and also, it's all right if we're vulnerable in the situation as well, especially if, if we need to share a personal story to our, to our volunteers or our fellow colleagues to, so that they can understand what we're talking about and why, and, and why this is important. That's an excellent point. Kristen, uh, how can people reach NAC for more information? And that's N-A-C-H-C, NAC. Yes. So, yeah, so NAC... So we're, we're kind of, we have two little, we have two avenues. There's NAC, N-H-C-H-C, that's on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And then you have the Health Center Advocacy Network, that's H-C Advocacy, um, at, and, or at H-C Advocacy on, on um, Facebook uh, and Twitter. Excellent. Well, that's a wrap up of today's great conversation with Kristen St. John. Deputy Director of the National Association of Community Health Centers. Thank you, Kristen, for being on the show today and sharing your expertise. Oh, no, thank you for letting me come and crash. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Till then. And now it is time for the Advocacy Engagement Tip. We always talk about having our advocates communicate with their elected officials. And to be effective in doing this, one has to learn a few guiding principles. 
Today's principle is to always, always, always tell the truth. Legislators rely on you for good information. If you want to be credible, you must be truthful. If you don't know the answer, say so. If you say you will follow up, do it. But in all cases, always tell the truth. Do you have a program to train and onboard your new advocates or reinforce advocacy, best practices and principles to your existing grassroots advocates? We are proud to have Rap Index as sponsor to the show. Let's face it, today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched you need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The RAP Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise. Know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's R-A-P-Index.com and tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. few quick notes to end this episode. In upcoming episodes, you will be treated to great interviews from leaders in the world of politics, associations, and nonprofit causes. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcasts and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast today. A big thank you to today's distinguished guest. We at Voices in Advocacy work with organizations to inspire educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. That's it for this episode of the Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices and Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices and Advocacy, go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.